there's a kind of uh, an insular community when you're in the healthcare environment. And that uh, we forget as, as clinical research professionals that the vast majority of the public has no real exposure to healthcare unless they're facing uh, the burden of a disease. Welcome back to the Trial Better podcast. On today's episode, we're excited to welcome Ken Getz, founder and chairman of C-Script and a professor at Tufts University School of Medicine. Ken will share his thoughts on how the pharmaceutical development industry can seize the momentum of its COVID-19 response to improve public perception in the long run. Listen now as Trial Better host Otis Johnson discusses with Ken the importance of taking advantage of this opportunity to increase global trust in clinical research. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Trial Better podcast. I'm your host, Otis Johnson, ERT's Vice President of Trial Oversight and Chief Diversity Officer. Today, I'm looking forward to a very interesting discussion on public perception of the pharmaceutical industry with Ken Getz, founder and chairman of Syscript and a professor at the Tufts University School of Medicine. Ken, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation, Otis. It's my pleasure to be here. Great, great. Well, to start off, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience in the clinical research field and a little bit about yourself as well? Well, thank you. I um, I have about 30 years of experience really as an observer of the clinical research enterprise. Uh, first, uh, uh, through my involvement in management consulting, and then I started uh, a publishing company called CenterWatch that uh, captured a lot of data and observation about the research uh, enterprise and clinical trials activity and published that information. After I sold uh, CenterWatch to Thomson Reuters, I moved into academia and the nonprofit world, and I've been there for about 20 years. So I've always been an outsider looking in, um, no shortage of things to think about and write about and uh, data to gather about behavior of uh, research professionals conducting and involved with clinical research. Great, great. Um, uh, Ken, I know you are quite the advocate for building clinical research awareness, and you have certainly been a reliable source of data and insightful metrics on the clinical research industry. Why do you think the general public um, have such a lack of trust in the pharmaceutical industry and in pharmaceutical development in general? Yeah, this is a, it's such a critical issue, and it's one that uh, is one of the perennial problems that we see in this industry. It has been around for quite a long time, and it really speaks to a long history that we've had as an industry of questionable practices, both in R&D as well as on the commercial side, when we look at the pharmaceutical pricing and uh, profit-taking, for example, and some of the unethical practices that have received a lot of visibility, particularly among uh, minority community involvement in government-funded and industry-funded research. So that's certainly been a part of it. I would say the other part uh, is that as as an industry, uh, we've generally not done a good job of educating patients and the public. In fact, um, most often research professionals are advised not to respond to the, a media inquiry or a complaint from a, a patient group. And so as a result, often we saw a lack of response and even uh, misalignment in the messages that come from industry and the pharmaceutical and, and clinical research enterprise in general. 
Often what we talk about as an industry are when we're interacting with the public are uh, our therapies that we've developed and how well they're working and how exciting they are and uh, if they represent a particular breakthrough in the way that we're treating a given disease. Whereas often the biggest visibility and concern that the public may have uh, really relates more to errors and a lapse in judgment on the part of professionals managing research activity. So that's been a part of it as well. And one other thing I was just going to mention, Otis, which is sort of fascinating, is if you look at the way clinical research is depicted in mass media and in popular culture, you know, think about movies like uh, Deadpool, for example, a fairly recent Marvel uh, movie, or The Fugitive. These are usually about clinical research that has gone horribly wrong, where there might be some dark or sinister uh, practice, uh, dishonest and unethical practice. And that's often the kind of lesson that the public uh, gets when they learn about clinical research. Wow, indeed. Uh, one can certainly understand how these practices you described and the perceptions uh, can lead to such negative sentiments towards the industry. Throughout the pandemic, from February to July 2020, the percentage of the U.S. population who gave the pharmaceutical research industry positive ratings increased by 22%. Some even refer to the industry as cool, which is welcome, but surprising to hear. Why are we seeing such an uptick in confidence now? Yeah, this is a an exciting uh, phenomenon, but it's one that we really have to watch carefully because it's very nuanced. To your point, um, there have been a number of, of global public opinion polls looking at a variety of different sectors throughout our economy, the uh, uh, pharmaceutical industry being one of them. And it's really enjoying such a bump in positive ratings, as you mentioned, uh, almost like a renaissance and it's one of the only sectors where public opinion has stayed elevated since we uh, entered this pandemic period. Other sectors in the uh, global economy took a bump at first, and then they've settled back down. So we think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the drug development uh, enterprise and the pharmaceutical industry is sort of center stage right now. It's getting a tremendous amount of public visibility. And even more than that, there's so much hope and faith in the abilities and the talents of the many professionals, the scientific and uh, operating professionals in our industry to all get together with regulatory agencies and health authorities to address this incredibly uh, uh, critical global health uh, crisis and global health need. And that's, I think, really played a huge part in elevating public awareness, uh, it hasn't necessarily influenced public trust, though. And that's something that uh, we really need to, to, to think about, um, in part because awareness about activity that's going on rarely translates into behavior. And uh, we're, we're seeing that uh, now as well. Uh, yes, indeed. So this confidence in clinical research might be rising, um, but as you said, we know that the industry still needs to put in the work to rebuild and repair its relationship with the minority population in particular. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, it's um I think it's widely known now that um COVID-19 uh incidence and severity uh of the disease or the infection is much higher in minority communities. Um and so there's this is all part of a broader awareness of the critical need for diversity and inclusion in our in clinical research and it's even more pronounced uh, as we look at the uh, the inequities in terms of covid treatments and uh and in terms of the severity of the illness and its incidence so that's a big part of it and this really relates to what i was just describing um if you look at any given community a, a minority community or an underrepresented community um or uh, a a caucasian uh community what you are seeing are very high levels of awareness about clinical research. You know, if you ask people, do you know what a clinical trial is? They'll self-report that uh, they do, and it's at an even higher level now that it's been in the past. But when you dig beneath it, you start to see that it, there's a disconnect between awareness about research and about personal involvement in clinical research. And some of it has to do with that distrust that you and I were talking about some of the distrust is even born from a awareness of the speed with which vaccines have been developed and there's a concern that maybe the drug development community has cut corners how else could they possibly have achieved you know a 75% 80% speed reduction so here are just some examples while the awareness of clinical research is really high among minority communities nearly 40% perceive uh the clinical trials in general as unsafe right now much higher than they used to and nearly 60% have said that they're unwilling to participate in a trial right now and that compares to single digit numbers that we used to see before the pandemic and as for covid vaccines and treatments specifically about 50% of part of respondents to our survey from minority communities said that they were concerned about the drug development process and about a third were telling us that they're unlikely to participate in this round of vaccination activity so there's that disconnect between high visibility and high awareness about clinical research activity and internalizing and recognizing that every one of us has a personal part to play in uh addressing the pandemic. Yeah, um really good points uh uh Ken. Um and I can share some my some of my personal interactions in my circles where even in the minority uh population there is um a difference of opinion um in terms of whether they should take the vaccine or not. If you look at the healthcare workers within the minority population, they feel like they need to take the vaccine for their own safety. but for those that are not in the healthcare settings they will say um i'm skeptical i don't see the need to take it because of this distrust so um yes there is even um a difference of opinion within the minority uh, population about how safe these vaccines are yeah that is such a great point and it's something we've seen in other studies we've done as well there's a kind of uh, an insular community when you're in the healthcare environment and that uh we forget as as clinical research professionals that the vast majority of the public has no real exposure 
to healthcare unless they're facing uh, the burden of uh, disease, right? And so there, there's that real disconnect, and that's the group that we really need to reach. Yes, indeed. So there's obviously a lot of complexities at play uh, at play here, um, but I don't want to ignore the the positive that we've seen um, because despite all that. We were able to develop multiple vaccines quicker than anyone anticipated. How did the industry work together to make that happen? You know, I wish we had like a five hour podcast uh, to really tease this apart. There's just so much that has happened. Um, As you know, and I, I imagine as so many listening to this podcast know, clinical research is a is a heavily regimented and uh, methodical activity. And that's, um, historically, we often, uh, not only do we not deviate from it, but we sort of treat the way we operate within this environment in a very rigid, some would even say immutable way. And what the pandemic did is it forced everyone to become more accommodating and more flexible. There was this recognition that we all need to sort of step in together and protect patient safety, but we need to continue to conduct our research activity while adapting and adjusting and while helping each other succeed in this environment of high uncertainty uh, and uh, with uh, so, such a huge uh, public health crisis where all of us can, can really do something important and, and address uh, this uh, incredible global hope that is now being placed in us as an enterprise. So with that very accommodating and more collaborative style, we saw regulatory agencies, uh, the oversight mechanisms, including ethical review, industry, the investigative site community, patient communities, technology providers, all different stakeholders, I think, really uh, approach this in a far more accommodating and flexible way. And we saw, as I know you know well, um, so much pivoting and adaptation, really embracing remote and virtual approaches where we could minimize the risk of spreading infection, for example, to really emphasize patient convenience in clinical research through these uh, approaches that might bring the trial to the patient's home. Data could be collected remotely. We saw a lot heavier usage of uh, data uh, access during interim periods where we could make different adjustments, uh, not only in the science and the design of the trial, but we could adapt the way we were executing our studies And of course, we also saw uh, incredible public interest and patient interest, and I would even say patient advocacy group commitment to helping the research enterprise here. And that played a big part, especially in the Operation Warp Speed trials, where we some of the studies were able to enroll 40, 50,000 people in, in record time. So all of this really contributed to a hyper-accelerated time period. And one last thing, Otis, we don't want to forget that Operation Warp Speed also freed up a lot of dollars in order to invest in the approaches that were necessary to support this flexibility and the speed. Yeah, so it is clear that the industry definitely rose to the challenge in this respect and pivoted well and collaborated around this common cause. 
how much of this is going to last after the pandemic? And do you have any last recommendations around how we can continue to build trust in the industry? Yeah, this is the question that everybody's asking now. And um, as I mentioned right at the beginning of our discussion, as an observer looking in, we've often watched how the research enterprise adopts changes in the way we operate. And that adoption is incredibly slow. And uh, it's it, in many respects, it can be highly dysfunctional. Um, so while there's a lot of hope and uh, faith that will embrace many of the approaches that have contributed to this accelerated uh, development activity that has really yielded some very exciting treatments uh, for uh, COVID-19, I think that we may end up looking at a lot of these adaptations as one-time occurrences, as almost like a pilot or proof of concept that was uh, that unfolded as facilitated by a public health crisis. But unless we address some of the fundamental characteristics of our development activity, the fact that our protocols are so hyper complex today and uh, as a result, uh, very, very inefficient. We have a tremendous level of customization in our studies. We collect a, a remarkably high volume of data coming from diverse sources. And all of these things add to hot, larger and growing uh, costs to conduct our studies, longer cycle times, higher levels of unpredictability and inefficiency. Long-term, if we're unable to address the additional complexity that's been introduced now, uh, we may be looking at uh, companies that start to retrench and rethink uh, which of the adaptations or some of the newer areas uh, really deserve full focus and investment. Um, and a lot of the, the decision to embrace something long-term comes with a real understanding of the return on the investment that's been made. And we don't have that insight right now. We're doing these changes out of necessity, but we don't have a business imperative to continue to support them. Great, great. Uh, so lots of useful nuggets in there, Ken. Um, it appears that it's not just the speed of uh, developing the vaccine and securing regulatory approval that is that driving confidence in the industry. It's also a genuine display of interest in getting the vaccine to people and a recognition that the work of clinical research doesn't end when a drug or vaccine is approved. And as an industry, we need to stay involved in delivering the ultimate value. That is how we build trust in our industry. So with that, Ken, I wanna thank you again for joining us on this episode of the Trial Better podcast. I think we learned a lot about the amazing opportunity we have right now as an industry to build trust and improve the way people perceive clinical research. Please remember to comment, rate, or review Trial Better on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast channel. You can also reach out to us at trialbetter at ERT.com with any questions or suggestions. Thanks for tuning in for this episode of Trial Better. That's a wrap on this episode of Trial Better. Thanks to Ken for the great discussion on public trust and clinical research and how COVID-19 has presented the industry with a unique opportunity to change its relationship with the public. To stay up to date on all of the latest content from Trial Better, subscribe to Trial Better on your favorite streaming platform. Questions or comments? Email trialbetter at ERT.com. 
Until next time, thanks for listening to Trial Better.